Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. Megan has been on me to take a look at some other sci-fi series. So she has prevailed and we will take up the 11 episodes, I think, of Firefly. It's a little bit different than uh, anything we've done before. Certainly not MCU, Star Trek, Star Wars, or any of those classic science fiction shows. But we're going to give it a shot. It is uh, Western in Space. So I'm really excited to do this series with her. So today it's episode 12, The Message. This episode begins with a flashback of some scenes from the most recent war, including introducing us rather to Tracy, a comrade in arms who fought with Mal and Zoe at the Battle of Du Kong. Uh, later in this episode, they find his body, which has been shipped to them in a coffin. And they leave, he leaves a message in which he says he wants to return home for a burial. And they want to honor that request. However, a corrupt alliance officer has traced the body to the planet where they picked it up. And then he attacks the Serenity, demanding that they turn over uh, the body and the goods which are inside, which are illegal internal organs. While searching the body for clues, they discover in an autopsy that Tracy is still alive and that he is smuggling the organs. Tracy has double-crossed his employers, but the Alliance uh, villains have killed the employer and uh, or killed his new buyer, so Tracy is try now trying to run away. Unfortunately, he attacks the crew of the Serenity and eventually is shot both by Zoe and Mal and dies. And they avoid the law enforcement uh, personnel, but take Tracy back to his home planet to be buried as per his original request. And now, Megan Doherty joins us. Megan, I have to say, this was one of my favorite episodes, so where should we begin? I'd like to begin with one of the most iconic characters, or maybe set pieces, if you will, that exists within the Firefly fandom that makes its first appearance today, and that is Jane's hat. Jane's fuzzy orange hat. This is an absolutely, I use the word iconic deliberately, a piece of costumery that if you go to any fan convention, you will find the Jane hat. If you see a Jane hat walking around in the wild, you have found a new friend in your appreciation of Firefly. So I was just happy that today's the day we got to see Jane's hat. What so, about you? What, yeah. Along the lines of the hat, when I, the colors of my high school were blue and silver. And when I was a junior on the track team, one of my great aunts knitted me a blue and silver cap to wear during the winter. Now, I didn't have the ear flaps, but it was just a cap. <laughs> And literally everybody on the team wanted one. Right. Uh, I had to I had to write my aunt because I couldn't call her because that cost way too much money, <laughs> and ask her if she could knit me a dozen hats. And she did. You bless must have her. Loved that. Yeah. Oh, what a wonderful story. <laughs> yeah. So we're on a planet. They're picking up some supplies, and they go to the post office. And let me just say a few words about the ubiquitousness of the post office in the Western. It is the place to garner all information, even more than the general store. 
And so when I just loved it when they were in the post office because I knew something would happen and that <laughs> something sure did happen, which was delivery of a package to Mal. And it was pretty clear immediately from just looking at the box, there was a coffin inside. We didn't know that at the time. But we, I guess we, we didn't talk about the start, which was a flashback scene. And that flashback was to during the war, and I think the Dukong battle, where we were introduced to the character of Tracy. And he is, fights with Mel and Zoe, but I don't want to say he's a ne'er-do-well, but he sure doesn't soldier very well. He struck me as a kid, like one of those kids who was too young to volunteer and lied about his age to get into the war. One who just found himself so far out of his element and out of his depth. To the point where in the middle of a battle, he sits down and cuts open a can of beans and eats them with his knife while Zoe's killing the bad guys around him. So we get that scene with a little backstory of Tracy, and he turns out he's the one that's in the casket. They get the casket aboard the Serenity, and while they are leaving, or after they have left, I should say, some Alliance law enforcement types very nasty law enforcement types, not the guys with the gloves, somebody else, (laughs) shows up looking for the package and to induce the postmaster to tell them what happened, they actually put gasoline on him and threatened to burn him to death. And that's some pretty nasty pre-interrogation tactics. Yeah, I thought that Um, whole scene was really rough. I did not like their methods. I don't like jokes about prison rape. (laughs) I don't think those are funny. It was just, they were awful. They set them up as awful characters. They are bad guys. Got it. Noted. Noted and logged. We think they're after Mal and Zoe and the rest for the package. And they take off after them. They're in some type of alliance vehicle that's much faster than Serenity. So they do catch up with them. And they hail them. And that's when Mal does his best double soft shoe and stalls them a little bit. And they go down and investigate what's in the coffin. They find nothing other than what they knew that was there, which the body. And so they take the body up to sick bay, where they're going to have the doc perform an autopsy. And just as he's about to perform an autopsy, the body comes up. And uh, that's a, a trope when they used to bury people alive, and I love that trope. Anyway, and that's, oh, and we should also say, uh, in their in- initial investigation of the corpse, they find a message on what we would call a thumb drive, but I'm sure they called it something different. And the message says, I want, I'm dead. If you find me, I'm dead. Please take me to my parents so I can be buried in my home planet. So Which, of course, they, they do without any question. They're like, we, we can absolutely get there. Let's do the thing. Let's do the thing. So, But it turns out he's not dead. You want to pick it up from there? <laughs> not only is he not dead, his organs are giving off very weird signals to all of the medical devices because his organs are not his organs. They have been swapped out with more valuable organs that he can apparently resell or deliver to a buyer later on, possibly in exchange for less valuable organs. I'm not sure how wetware smuggling works, but cool concept. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> anyway, so the whole thing, the death, the mailing was a ruse, ostensibly so he could make enough money to help his parents. I'm not sure if I believe his motives were so entirely altruistic, but let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Now the crew knows that, okay, we've got an incredibly valuable human body filled with very expensive meat that is being chased down by some very nasty government alliance guys. 
and they've got to decide what to do. And I think this is the point in the story where people are starting to wonder, can we or can we not trust this old war buddy? Because smuggling organs using your own corpse is a weird and shady thing to do. <laughs> I thought it was a great concept, though. Like, what a, what a just great idea for a caper. Very clever. I thought so as well. And up until this point, I really saw this through the lens of literal comrades in arms fought together in a war. And as you said, when he says on the recorded message, please take me home, they immediately, no question. without question, of course we will. And I thought that really, that ties into a one of our earlier episodes where Wash professed jealousy because of the closeness of Zoe and Mal. And I think even though Tracy may have been a buffoon or something else, he was their brother in arms and they were going to honor his last wishes. It got messy, though, <laughs> after he wakes up and he is shot by Zoe, wounded, but not killed. Because well, he tries to take over the ship because they're going to follow Didn't the shepherd's advice and try to at least negotiate with the cops. And he's just, no, I'm going to hijack your ship and I'm going to take Kaylee as a hostage and I'm going to shoot Wash. And he became a very bad guy. Oh, we, Kay, Kaylee really likes him too. Because he was that. actually nice to her, unlike Simon, which I've got some comments about later on. <laughs> it's not that Simon's not being not nice. It's Simon has no effing clue. He's deeply incompetent. <laughs> I know you joke about bad with women, but come on. It was yeah. written by Joss Whedon, so. Yes. He, uh, he hauls off with Kaylee. He gets then killed with a death shot. And that happens right before the crew allows the law enforcement guys to come on board. And Shepard has realized two things. One, they have not made any contact with their home base, which would be certainly out of protocol. You always either mm -hmm. offer backup or notify them where you're going. So if something happens, people know about it. But two, they are... A long way from home. I can't remember what measurement they used, but it was essentially eight, eight, eight thousand somethings and eight planetary systems where they have no jurisdiction and really not even a reason to be there. And Preacher figures all of this out. And he, so he begins to negotiate with these guys. I'm not sure if their negotiate, his negotiation persuaded them. Or the number of guns that were pointed at their heads, starting with Jane and Zoe and Mal. They were going to be outgunned, but Preacher basically said, we're going to let you guys turn around and leave. That's and I point. really enjoyed Yeah. You know, of course, while our guns are pointed at you. So Preacher had figured it out, and he tried to tell that to Mal earlier, but no one was listening. So Mal finally listened to him, and it really showed, one, the intelligence of the preacher, two, how much he experienced he's had in a lot of other matters. And I think it showed how he thinks, while the rest of them are playing checkers, he's playing chess. And he may be playing five-dimensional chess, like in Star Trek. <laughs> That's a great way to describe it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I think it was also, it's also interesting how, despite this overwhelming mountain of evidence that there's so much to Shepard book. Jane is the only one who ever really seems to notice. How do you know so much for a preacher? Like everyone is so blinded by the shepherd, by the caller and by the profession that they're not looking too closely at this like 
seriously large pile of evidence that he's highly trained and greatly experienced in nefarious ways. Just a humble tailor. All I can say. <laughs> Just a tailor. Just a humble tailor. I have to shout out to my favorite character on DS9. <laughs> but I thought that was a great scene, and I'm glad they got to feature him at that for all of those reasons. But there's also some other subplots, and we've touched on one, which is poor Simon. He just, go ahead, let us have it. Because <laughs> right at the beginning, it opens up with this really interesting sideshow-type planet, and they answer the question once and for all, there are no known aliens in this universe. Because if there were, at a sideshow, you wouldn't be able to sell tickets for the only proof of alien life on the planet, which is, of course, a cow fetus. And it's a really cute date, and the, Simon and Kaylee are getting along, and this has been going on for ages and ages now. And the thing is, Kaylee's not super hard to impress, relationship-wise. She's into Simon. She makes that very clear. All he needs to do is not be a complete freaking moron. And he's going to seal the deal. No question. Can he manage it? No. Can he manage for five minutes? No. I just find it frustrating. And I feel really bad for Kaylee. She's put up with way too much. <laughs> yeah, that she has. But she's so really, sweet and so smart yeah. and so charming. And just... I really enjoyed the band of brothers aspect to this because and I know I said it before, but when they get what they think is his death final request to take him home to be buried, they don't even discuss it. Yeah. Al says we're going. And Wash uh, then just runs right to the cockpit and starts doing it. I like right. that too. And then the end scene is they indeed honor that wish and you see him being buried on his own planet in the snowstorm, interestingly enough. With the crew there, or at least Zoe and Mal there, they honored his wish and... Preserved his reputation, which was above and beyond. It was. I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it had some really good action. I love the whole carnival barker scene while they were looking at the cow fetus. There was a barker in the background saying, buy a ticket, buy a ticket, come in and see the alien. And I thought for a minute we were going to get to see the alien, but... We didn't. Yeah, that had a wonderful, like, 30s carnival-esque yes. theme. I really like that, too. And there was one line in particular in this one, and it was just while Tracy was dying after he'd just gotten that death shot. And Mel says, you murdered yourself. I just carried the bullet a while. And I thought that was a really kind of poignant line. And I thought that Tracy's death was just brutal. I really got the sense from him and his character that he's someone who was, he was irreparably damaged by a war he never should have been in and was just never able to recover or move on from it. And I thought that was, like, pathetic in the sense of deserving of, like, having pathos. Yeah. Not, not deserving of scorn. Yeah, just, he, his character touched me, even though he'd made some bad choices. So I really enjoyed this episode a lot. And the whole kind of opening frontier planet town and the post office and the barker and the, the alien body, which, of course, is the cow fetus. <laughs> Uh, all the rubes coming to town to be taken. <laughs> I thought that was very cool. The bad guys were really bad guys. And they threw the gas on the postmaster. I went, mm, hopefully they're not going to burn him up because that will burn the town down. So a lot to digest, but a lot of fun in this episode as mm -hmm. well. On that note, I am Tom Fox. I'm Megan Doherty. See you next time. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this initial episode of Firefly. And I hope you'll join Megan and I for the entire season of Firefly episodes. Yes, 14 episodes over the next seven weeks. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to visiting with you next time.